welcome to the Coochie Kobe podcast. I apologize for the long hiatus. I think I went a little too hard into podcasting at first, and podcasting is a lot harder than I thought it would be. But I really enjoy making the Coochie Kobe podcast, so I'm still going to do it, just in moderation. So episodes will now be posted bi-weekly on Tuesdays, so we have that to look forward to. Today we're going to be discussing and recapping the episode, Season 1, Episode 3, Sacred Cow. The recap is, when a controversial documentary filmmaker places a live cow outside of the family restaurant to make a statement about animal cruelty, Bob is livid when it starts to scare away customers. And it's the introduction of Randy, who is voiced by Paul F. Tompkins. Alright, let's get into the episode. So we have the usual intro. The empty store next door (laughs) is now titled Rent Reduced Crime Scene Special. It's not really a shop, but I am just enough into true crime that I really love it and I really want to know what the crime was. I wonder if the rent having been reduced is the reason why Randy chooses Bob's restaurant. I'm sure that he didn't hear about the 100,000th burger or anything. And the van outside is, as usual, rats all folks, as it will remain for a few more episodes at least. So the real episode opens with Bob and the kids in the walk-in freezer. He demanded that they join him in the freezer to announce that he's opening the box of meat that will make their 100,000th burger. I am very impressed that he kept count. I don't think I would have done that. He must have been really looking forward to this milestone. So the kids are not impressed, but Gene wants to touch it and feel it between his toes, while Louise wants to put a stick of dynamite in it and blow it up, which is foreshadowing for the tale of Meat Man. It also really makes sense for Louise's character, as I can think we can pretty safely say that her moral alignment is chaotic neutral. Tina also has an announcement. Her bra is chafing. Gene has an announcement as well. He loves house music. Obviously, the conversation is deteriorating in the way it usually does, but then Louise announces that she's going to get her gun license. Finally! Tina congratulates her. That brings up a question. Do we think Louise would prefer concealed carry or open carry? She likes being sneaky, but she's also small enough and just a touch insecure about it that I think she would really like the intimidation of open carry. It's a slight tangent, but I'm surprised that they haven't yet signed Louise up for some kind of martial art. I bet she'd love it. Especially um, the kinds where you can do a lot even when you're smaller than your opponent. Anyway, Bob is upset that everyone is stealing his thunder, and Linda steals it even more when she bursts into the walk-in freezer and announces that she found the banana. It's from their old printer, so it has the crinkly perforated pieces on the side of the paper that they have to rip off. They were expecting to hit that milestone a lot earlier. So Bob is very upset. Everyone starts trying to touch the meat, so Bob is playing keep away with it, and it falls out of the box onto the floor in a bag. Thank goodness, not just loose meat. And Jean and Louise start massaging it. Bob hates everything that is happening at the moment. Luckily, the next scene sees Bob in his happy place, alone at the grill. And he starts talking to the burger. He's asking if it's mad at him and tells the burger it's cute. I bet the little voice he does is left over from his sad childhood in his dad's diner, but I really like it. Bob is distracted from talking to his burger when he sees a documentary crew has pulled up outside. He thinks the news is there because they heard about the restaurant's milestone. How would they hear about it, Bob? I really doubt that your restaurant has a social media page or anything. He steps outside to ask what he can do for the crew, and Randy Watkins introduces himself as a documentary filmmaker who's making a film about the beef industry. He heard Bob's Burgers was making their 100,000th burger, and he wanted to shake Bob's hand. We see him put the ketchup on his hand as he reaches out for Bob's hand. He wants Bob to think it's the blood of murdered cows on his hands, but I think Bob is just really thrown by what's happening at the moment. Like, legally, 
if Randy wants Bob and the rest of the family to be in his documentary, he needs to have them sign a release, just as he has multiple other characters do, and yet he never really asks Bob to sign anything or consent to being in the documentary at all, and it really bothers me personally. Randy wants Bob to meet his meat. Moo-Lissa, that's right, Moo-Lissa, is a cow with a blonde wig who's due to be quote-unquote processed in five days unless Bob chooses to spare her life. The count-down begins. <laughs> he really leans into it. Bob says this is ridiculous and it's not a crime to make burgers. There's no blood on our hands. Just as Linda walks out wearing a blood-splattered apron. Might not be on your hands, but it's on your apron. But um, ch <laughs> Anyway, side note, there is a difference between blood spatter and blood splatter. Basically, splatter is like a splash and spatter is like a sprinkle. The podcast Wine and Crime first told me this was a thing and they did a really excellent episode about blood evidence crimes. I would say that grinding meat would be more of a spatter situation because I feel like most of the blood would have been drained out, but Linda really has blood splattered all over. I guess she is an enthusiastic grinder or something? I don't know. Blood splatter versus spatter. It's a bit of a grammar nerd thing, but I thought it was interesting. So Linda walks out coated in blood and asks what all the yelling is about. The kids poke out of the upstairs windows and Louise yells that it turns out Bob has been putting murdered cows in their hamburgers. Jean announces that Bob made them a part of it and it makes him sick. I love how the kids are up for teasing Bob at any time. I feel like Jean especially would do really well in an improv group for just from being part of this family. Linda's thrilled to see a cow and walks over to pet it and gets ground meat and blood all over its wig. She says, ugh, dead cow on live cow. Gross. <laughs> Randy is disgusted, but you can tell he's really thrilled about having this shot for his documentary. Bob finally tells Linda that it's not a good time and she seems pleased as she notices that she's on camera. <laughs> Bob tells Randy to stop filming and tells him that he's not going to be in his cow documentary anymore, which, by the way, should be a totally legitimate choice for him to have. You see it all the time. Like in documentaries, it's like, oh, the subject declined to be interviewed for this project. It happens. It's his legal right. Randy says that he doesn't have a choice because Randy will stop at nothing to expose injustice to animals. Speaking of injustice, Linda notices that the wig is glued onto the cow. Randy says it's the only way it would stay on and it's to humanize her. Gene doesn't like it. He says that she's only a 4 out of 10, which, you know what, the show really needs that light moment to distract us from the thought of gluing a wig onto an animal that's about to be slaughtered. And despite the long blonde wig, Bob is only one to notice that Moolissa isn't even a female cow. He knows enough about the beef industry to note that beef comes from steers, which are male cows. <laughs> and then Randy asks him to explain the udder, which, surprise, is not an udder. Tina is very interested. Louise tells Randy not to listen to Bob and to milk that cow if he wants. Bob says milk won't come out, but Randy says that something came out. It's in a bucket that Jean walks up with, and everyone is relieved when Jean identifies it as urine. Randy says it certainly smells like urine, but that's because Melissa is sick. Sick of Bob's practices. I hate Randy so much, mostly because he's treating an optional thing as though it's not optional, and he refuses to let anyone else have different opinions from himself. He also presents the deal with Bob as just a dichotomy. Like, you have to admit you're wrong, or this cow will die. It's like, why can't Bob just make an in-between decision? Like, letting the cow live and just saying he's not going to use that cow. Just as with many other choices, in this choice, it's not just black and white, and Randy is making it that way, and I hate it. Anyway, 
Bob also hates it, but Bob is just going to go inside and call animal control, and then Randy and his crew will have to leave. The kids and Randy are all disappointed, but the animal control guy shows up, and because Randy has permits and has rented the shop next door and the cow has had its shots, animal control can't do anything about it. The animal control guy signs a release to be in the movie, but Bob didn't have to, apparently. Sorry, I'm going to stop talking about the release thing. It's just really bothering me. So the animal control guy tries to calm Bob down by having him touch the cow, and Bob refuses. In the next scene, we see the little clacker, and we see that the title of Randy's documentary is Dial M for Mooder. That's actually a reference to a Hitchcock film, and it's a pretty good title. Oh, I love Bob's Burgers so much. Randy starts interviewing Louise for his documentary, and he asks Louise whether she thinks cows should be ground up for food. I want to share Louise's answer here. Personally, I don't really care, but my father, he loves grinding them up. Gives them a rush. Makes them feel alive. Daddy's a bad bad man. I love Louise. And I love that she instantly pivots from like totally blasé to a mob informant who's seen too much. I like that most of the things she does are just to see what will happen. I get that. I think we all have that impulse. So Jean wants to know if this movie will have a score to tug at the heartstrings and demonstrates his keyboard skills. It's just a beat and a single dog bark and Randy is unimpressed. Tina finds that Melissa pooped in the shape of a smiley face. Louise finds out that Tina thinks the cow is texting her an emoticon with its butt, and Louise has a new target to mess with. She's pretty much done with Randy anyway. She's been interviewed already. So Louise runs into the restaurant to ask Linda a question, and we see that the burger of the day is the mission a corn burger, <laughs> which comes with corn salsa. Louise wants to ask Linda how she would execute a brilliant plan where she needs to write something and poop. Linda thinks it's a brain teaser and says she would use a frosting bag. Linda thinks there's an actual answer and asks if she's right. Linda's just here for the ride, you know? She's just having fun no matter what happens. Later that evening, we see Louise cackling as she creeps out of the restaurant and draws something on the sidewalk in cow poop. I am so glad she thought to wear gloves. So she's enjoying it, and she cackles, and then she just stops and says, Yeah, okie dokie, and goes back inside. The next morning, we see the kids leaving for school. The countdown reads 3 days, 16 hours, 32 minutes, and 40 seconds. Tina finds that the cow has left a winking face with an open smile, which they don't show us, but I'm guessing it's like a semicolon followed by a capital D. She asks if she should text back, aka poop on the sidewalk herself, gross, and Jean walks right through the poo as they're talking. He's grossed out, but he accepts it real quick. He is not troubled by poo. A few hours later, probably around dinner time since the kids are there, a crowd has gathered in front of the restaurant. We hear someone say, honey, I want a burger right now. Randy asks the crowd what's wrong with them, and Gene in his burger suit chimes in, and they both have their megaphones, so they're both talking through them, even though they're standing right next to each other, and Randy is so childish, but this scene is great. Gene asks Randy if his music budget is a million, and Randy is like, we only need one at megaphone outside. Inside the restaurant, business is booming. The burger of the day is the Pepper Don't Preach burger, it's a reference to that Madonna song, which comes with roasted peppers. Bob hates that everyone is there for the documentary that's trying to paint him as an evil cow killer, as we hear Louise yell, murderer, in the background. Belinda says there's no such thing as bad publicity. It could be huge for them, like a sex tape, Tina says. That's a Kim Kardashian reference, so I wonder if the Kardashians exist in the Bob's Burgers universe. I'm sure there's some kind of equivalent, just as Boys For Now is the Bob's Burgers equivalent of One Direction, etc. So Bob is starting to feel bad for the cow, but Linda says that the cow's going out in a blaze of glory, so everyone wins. Bob is happy that the cow is at least outside, enjoying the day and meeting people. I'm sure that it's at least better than 
than what most cows are normally subjected to in the U.S. beef industry. Linda waves at the cow and says hi from inside, and it actually looks over as though it hurt them. And like sands through the hourglass, there goes my teeth right into your back. Everyone at the counter is shocked, even though they're eating burgers themselves, but Linda is just hungry. Outside the restaurant, we see an older couple petting the cow and asking who could eat this beautiful creature. Randy's pleased that here is someone who wouldn't dream of eating an animal. The man of the couple is wearing a shirt that advertises Mother Goose's Discount Petting Zoo. It kind of makes me wonder if they came down just to get some publicity for their own business. It's like the theory that Bob Vance from The Office is always introducing himself as Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration, to get free advertising from the documentary. So the petting zoo's motto is petting horses, goats, and sheep, precious memories on the cheap. The woman explains that it's basically an animal sanctuary that they make money off of. They totally just came down for the advertising opportunity. So at the end of the night, Bob closes the restaurant and sarcastically thanks Randy for the business. He goes to sleep and sleeps well until he has an awful dream. He remembers cooking all day with Mulissa watching him, and he dreams that the Grim Reaper decapitates Mulissa with his scythe and takes off the hood to reveal that it's Bob. He then dreams that he's on trial, Louise is his defense lawyer, and Randy is the prosecutor. He has on one of those white barrister wigs underneath his usual baseball cap. He is very theatrical, so it makes sense that even Dream Randy would get super into it. Melissa's gory pile of remains is the first witness, and Louise claims the cow is faking his injuries and throws a water cup and knocks off part of the cow in an attempt to prove that he's faking. She's obviously wrong, and Bob begins screaming about how he never wanted to hurt anyone and he only wanted to make hamburgers. He wakes up to find himself shaking a sleeping linen instead of Melissa's bloody head. Obviously, Bob can't sleep anymore after that. He gets out of bed to think and sees Melissa looking pitiful out in the rain. He tries to wake up Randy because he thinks Melissa's going to freeze out there, and then decides to smuggle Melissa into the apartment. I'm sure that took some doing, depending on how narrow their staircase looks. Bob tries to be sneaky, and then Melissa lets out this enormous stream of pee onto the carpet just as Linda walks into the front room. She is not pleased, but it is the best dream Jean has ever had. <laughs> At breakfast the next morning, Bob has made bacon and eggs in a not-so-secret attempt to impress the cow. Louise says he knows how to impress a lady-slash-male steer. Linda is not comfortable with the cow in the house, but Bob just really felt bad for him. I love that Linda spells out A-S-S in this scene. They do not maintain that part of her character, and I feel that she gets much less uptight as the show goes on. Bob will, of course, kick the cow out after breakfast. He just brought her... Her, I'm sorry, it's really hard because they switch pronouns throughout the whole episode, but that's okay, you know? Bob will, of course, kick the cow out after breakfast, but Tina tells them that cows can't go downstairs. They made a big mistake. Bob fails in making that cow go down the stairs after trying for a full half hour. Huh, what do you know? We know you'll push on a cow's butt for half an hour without asking for help. Gotta have that butt all to yourself. Okay, so I know that all my sound clips are from Louise's episode, but she just has the best lines this episode. It's fantastic. So they can't get the cow to go back outside. Then they hear Randy yelling from outside, asking what Bob did to Melissa. Obviously, he thinks it's something sinister. So Linda pokes her hat out because she just wants the cow out and tells Randy that. And Bob lies and says that Melissa isn't there because he doesn't want Randy to think he's one. And of course, Melissa walks right up to enjoy the conversation. Teddy walks up and starts congratulating Bob on his movie, and Randy asks him to sign a release. So begins the bit of Teddy never knowing where to sign. He starts joking about how he needs to get used to signing autographs. Poor, sad Teddy. He does not have that much in his life. No wonder he's all excited about the possibility of being 
bit character in a documentary. There's one and a half days left. The family is watching TV together and Tina is brushing Melissa's hair and trying to get him to poop message her. And I love that Louise is lounging on top of Melissa's back. Later that night, we see that Louise left an angry face in Melissa's poop for Tina to find. Tina has a whole one-sided conversation with Melissa about how horses are better than cows, even though she didn't want to tell him. Tina has such a passionate relationship with animals, even ones that are only in her life for such a short time. I feel like a lot of fans want her to grow up to be a romance writer, especially since, according to Louise, she's better on the page. But maybe she could also be a really good vet, like maybe if she gets better at math. The next morning, Melissa is gone. <laughs> Linda forced Melissa to slide down the stairs on a mattress. Ha! Cows can go downstairs. All you need is four wool socks, a mattress, and the will to make it happen. Linda is so smart. I'm not sure that I would have thought of that, and if I had, it would have taken me a really long time. Linda teases that Bob's girlfriend is tied up outside, but they go outside and Melissa is gone. No! <laughs> that morning, we see that the restaurant is closed for a family emergency. Bob is defending himself to Randy and saying it's not his fault. Linda says she did what she had to do to protect her family and her carpet. Honestly, from the amount of leavings that have already been on the living room carpet, I think it was already ruined. But looking at their living room floor, it looks like a rug and then a carpet, so maybe it hadn't soaked through yet? I don't know. Anyway, they ask who would steal a cow in a blonde wig, and Linda thinks perverts, and she thinks that's hilarious. Gina and the editing guy are going through their footage from yesterday, and they see the people from the discount petting zoo literally plotting to steal Melissa. Like, they cackle for a solid minute about just getting a free cow. They're obviously the ones who took Melissa, so next we cut to the discount petting zoo, and it seems to be a bleak place. We see Baba Black Sheep gnawing on a girl's dress. Hickory Dickory Dock is two mice tied to the pentheolum of a grandfather clock. And the little pig who went to market is a pig with its two front legs tied to a shopping cart. The tilted camera angle tells us that something is wrong, and it really is a stunning example of animal cruelty. You know they don't untie that pig or those mice every day. Honestly, the mice could be dead. We can't quite tell. Oh, I bet it smells. I bet the whole petting zoo just smells so bad. I really like, actually, that it contrasts with the way that Bob treats animals. Even people who say they love animals and perhaps don't want to eat them can still be very cruel to animals. On another note, Large Tommy from the Gene Mile episode is at the petting zoo. I think they put him in a lot of places where they need, like, a generic kid, and then he became a named character. The family and Randy go to the petting zoo and see Lulis in a very small enclosure built as the cow that jumped over the moon. Linda loves it. <laughs> Bob wants to get her now, but Randy says to wait until after dark because it's more dramatic. And I'm sure because there'll be fewer people around. He wants Big Rescue to end his documentary on, and they can shoot it in infrared. Side note, Bob's Burgers taught me that it was said infrared and not infrared. This is what happens when you read a lot and don't always hear words out loud. So anyway, Bob is not into it until he learns that what? They can shoot an infrared? That's cool. That night, we see that the family has two and a half hours left on the countdown. That's not accurate, though, because they came to Bob's around lunchtimes. Anyway, we'll skip over that inconsistency. Linda says the kids should be in bed, but Bob says they're filming in infrared. Jean is wearing a ski mask as the family starts to crawl toward Melissa's enclosure. Louise warns Bob that she's in full attack mode, and Jean says he's hungry for blood. And also candy. They just pop open the gate to the enclosure, and it seems super easy when the woman who owns the petting zoo confronts them, and Jean and Louise attack! They just kind of tackle her and start biting her. It's a pretty good technique. 
Back at the restaurant, Melissa is safe thanks to Jean and Louise biting that woman. Apparently, she tasted like sawdust and goats. They wait together as the countdown ends. Randy asks Bob on camera to determine Melissa's fate, and Bob is kind of tortured by this. He asks Randy to stop making his movie for a minute and be a human being. They argue about this as Melissa almost gets hit by a van, but the van stops just in time. She's totally fine until Melissa passes out. The animal control guy jumps out of his van and says she must have had a cow heart attack before fleeing the scene. Aw, Tina finds that Melissa left her a heart-shaped poo and announces that she's keeping it, and we see her lean down and scoop it up. Oh, it's so gross. Bob faints from the stress and reunites with Melissa up in the clouds. Melissa asks Bob to make burgers out of him. Bob refuses and makes a joke about how being a castrated steer and a married man are the same thing. It's cool. They're bros. Melissa explains how cows aren't majestic or inspiring, like wild stallions or whales, but they want to feel special, too. He wants Bob to turn him into something amazing. Bob thinks it's maybe just his subconscious, but he's okay with it. And then Melissa makes out with Bob on the cloud as Bob wakes up. Here we see the very first hint of what is perhaps Bob's bisexuality, or at least his openness. I like it. It it makes him much more... I don't know. I like that we as the audience get to see these things that other people in his life don't get to see, and it makes me really appreciate Bob. So Randy's documentary ends with Bob making a tribute to Melissa as he uses Melissa's meat to make his 100,000th burger, the rest in Pete's burger, served with a side of snap peas and carrots. The bouquet of marigolds next to the photo of Melissa is a lovely touch. I wonder if the choice of that flower is a reference to their use in Hinduism and how they revere cows, hence the episode title, Sacred Cow? Maybe. Bob talks about how Melissa has beautiful hair and soft brown eyes, as Louise cat calls him before he gets back on track about how he can use and honor cows with their beef, and he's okay with that. And then Linda finally brings out the banner, and she's like friggin' Vanna White with the banner. Yeah, they celebrate having their 100,000th burger, and rather than the usual credits, the episode ends with Jean's funeral jam. Lots of dog sounds, of course. So, final thoughts about this episode... Honestly, I never watched this episode because Randy stresses me out. Sacred Cow isn't one of my favorite episodes, but I like that they address any possible moral conflicts that Bob would have from using meat for his livelihood and to support his family. I also totally forgot about the part where they go steal Melissa back from the petting zoo, which made the episode way better for me. I love me some subterfuge. Also, to touch on the subject, there are a lot of episodes that involve poop. The Mad Pooper, the episode where Tina has diarrhea and can't sky kiss Jimmy Jr., Jean's Super Bowl during the Super Bowl episode, next week's episode, Sexy Dance Fighting, and even when they go to look for Linda at the Oyster Hotel, because that's where she likes to go to the bathroom. And I'm sure that there will continue to be more episodes that involve going number two. I don't mind. I feel like they do it in a very tasteful way. I think this is a good episode for building characters, but it's just not one of my favorites because I really hate the introduction of Randy's character. Here's the question of the week. How do we feel about Bob's stance towards eating meat? Personally, I approve of it. I understand that there are people who would condemn Bob for building a business based on selling what is essentially the deconstructed carcass of an animal, but I love that he sees feeding others as almost a sacred thing. And I get what Melissa says about how cows aren't majestic creatures like like humpback whales or anything like that. They're kind of just there, and I, I personally believe that it's okay to use animals like cows to feed humans. I also believe that we should treat them a lot better than the beef industry currently does. But I love that Bob sees it as his mission in life to feed humanity and to 
and to treat cows respectfully as he uses their bodies to do so. He sees feeding others as a sacred thing, and I appreciate that and think it's beautiful. While there are always going to be problems, it's a beautiful thing. Anyway, please let me know what you think. Again, the question is, how do we feel about Bob's stance towards eating meat? And with that, we will end our episode. Thank you again for listening to the Coochie Kobe podcast, and hopefully you'll join us again in two weeks. Bye, guys.